Well, good morning. God bless. Today we will go ahead and finish up with chapter 8 of the book of Acts. So as I always say, if you are in a position where you can do so, uh, please go ahead and open up your Bibles and follow along with me as I'm reading to you from the scriptures today. And while you're opening up there, let me take a, a minute or two just to encourage you to make sure that you are spending time in the Word of God on your own. You know, think about this. What if you only ate one meal a week? How much physical strength do you think that you would have if you only ate one meal a week? Not very much, huh? Now, under, under eating is not a common problem in our society for the most part, is it? Most people eat very well in our country here in America and probably in the country you're in as well. Most people eat very well. But I'm telling you that being spiritually undernourished undernourished is a huge problem. And it's a sad thing when we let ourselves shrivel up spiritually and then we wonder why we're feeling so weak, either you know, mentally weak, emotionally weak. Well, all of this stems from being weak in the core, in your spiritual core. So I really want to encourage you to make sure that this isn't the only biblical meal that you have in a week's time. Okay, uh, Jesus said, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Think about that. Jesus is using a metaphor and he's using food there. And he's saying, and this is in John chapter 6, verse 27, if you want to look it up later. But he says, do not labor for the food which perishes, right? We eat food and it's gone. Or we leave food sit out and it spoils and it goes rotten, right? Do not labor for food which perishes, he says, but for food which endures to everlasting life. Now, of course, Jesus knew we had to eat. He ate. He got hungry. He ate as well when he walked on the earth, right? And we do have to eat physical food. But Jesus always focuses our attention on who we are internally, not about the external, but rather about the internal, okay? So we really need to make sure that we take care of ourselves spiritually. But here in Acts chapter 8, okay, we've already studied the first 24 verses. So today we will pick it up in verse 25, but just to set the scene here, a couple of the apostles, Peter and John to be exact, had come down from Jerusalem to help Samaria, or to help Philip, who was preaching in Samaria. And we see in verse 25 where it says, so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So that's speaking of Peter and John there. They, again, they had come down, they helped Philip where he was in Samaria, and now they were headed back toward Jerusalem. But then verse 26 continues and says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority 
under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah, the prophet. So keep in mind here that as we read through the book of Acts, it is a historical record of what the Holy Spirit was doing through the apostles and the believers in Jesus Christ in the early days of the church. This was at the beginning of what we call the body of Christ. Jesus had ascended back into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit upon a group of believers. They're now going out and preaching the gospel. They're growing like crazy. Thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ because they're preaching the gospel. And we're kind of reading a historical record of that here in the book of Acts. And these are the works of the Holy Spirit through these men and women of God, right? Miracles, signs, and wonders were taking place, and many people were coming to faith in Jesus through the preaching of the Word. And that's the goal here. That's why I preach the Word. I teach the Word of God. My hope is, is that if you've already come to faith in Jesus, that you will grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Him. You'll come to know Him more. And my hope is also that if you have not come to faith in Jesus, well, then you've not stumbled upon this by accident. The Spirit of the Lord has led you here to hear the preaching of the Word. But this is what was taking place back then, and it still takes place today. People are preaching the Word. Now, people were hearing the good news about the Savior and the Messiah, Jesus the Lord. That's the gospel. The message is all about the good news about what Jesus has done for us and how we can come to faith in him and live our lives and build our lives upon who Jesus is, right? And they were, people were making a decision in their lives back then in droves. Thousands of people were coming and repenting and coming to faith in Jesus. And as a result of the Holy Spirit working in their lives, all of this was taking place, right? And here we see this Ethiopian man that was reading the word of God. And an angel of the Lord speaks to Philip and he sends him there to find this man who's reading the word of God. Right. And it tells us he was reading from the book of Isaiah, which we have in our Bibles today in the Old Testament. Right. Now, he was a man that had a, a prominent position, right? He had a prominent occupation. He was an overseer of the treasury for one of the queens of Ethiopia. Okay, now just a quick side note here. Her name was not Candace, but rather Candace was a title. There were actually many Candaces, right? That was simply what they called a queen in the, uh, in the ancient... Um, African kingdom of Cush in that time. The queens were called a Candace. That was a title. Today, we give, you know, women have the name Candace, but that was more of a title at that time. And if that interests you, you can look into all of that on your own and study that. But as we read on here in verse 29, it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So back there in verse 26, we saw where the Apostle Philip was led by the angel of the Lord to go to a certain place. And from what is written here, we get no indication 
that he had any idea as to why he was going, but nonetheless, he was obedient to the angel of the Lord, and he heads out to where he needed to be. Then in verse 29 here, the Spirit of the Lord tells him to run and to overtake a, a certain chariot, you know, to catch up to it, right? Uh, which happens to be the chariot of this African dignitary, right? And verse 30 tells us, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? Okay, so let me teach you something here, right? Philip says to this man here, do you understand what you are reading? Philip is being used by the Holy Spirit, we see here, right, to, to go to this man and to teach him something. The Lord had a very specific work in mind here for Philip to accomplish in the life of this man. But I want you to go ahead, keep this in mind. I want you to go ahead and mark this page in your Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We're in the book of Acts here, so it's going to be to the right of where you are right now in your Bible. You have Acts and then you have Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and then Ephesians. So it's after the Corinthians and then after Galatians, you'll find Ephesians. Uh, and I want you to find Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll go ahead and look down and we'll start reading at verse 10. It says, speaking of Jesus here, it says, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Okay, so this is simply just speaking of the fact that Jesus had come to earth. He came down to earth from heaven, right? And he ascended back into heaven. And we know that he is now seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. We know that from Scripture. But Jesus had a work that he was still going to accomplish here on the earth even after he had ascended into heaven. And he was going to put people into positions to do this work as they were led by the Holy Spirit, like we see happening in the life of Philip, like we saw Peter and John come down from Jerusalem, go to Samaria, help Philip preach the gospel there. Philip's being led by the Spirit. He's being used, right? And in verse 11 here in Ephesians, it goes on, it goes on to say, speaking of Jesus, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So in the church, in what we call the body of Christ, right? What the scriptures call the body of Christ. The Lord placed these people to continue his work here on the earth after he was gone. To be led by his spirit. Back in Acts, we've seen people like Peter, James, and John, Philip, Stephen, and soon we'll be studying about the works of the Apostle Paul, right? But all of these men were being used by the Spirit of the Lord to do His work. He ascended back into heaven, and just like He promised, 
He sent his Holy Spirit to lead and to guide people. And still, to this very day, we have people on the earth that are evangelists, that are pastors, that are teachers, that are doing the work of the Lord. And verse 12 tells us what their work is. It says it's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So do you see that? The Lord, by His Spirit, uses pastors and teachers and such to equip. That is to make others ready to do the work of the ministry and to edify people that are part of the body of Christ, right? Other believers, that is. Now, not everyone is a pastor. Not everyone is a teacher or an evangelist. The Holy Spirit can use many different people in many other ways as well. And you can study that in the Bible. There are many other gifts written about in the Scriptures. But these are just some of the things, the primary foundation that the Lord Himself set up to do His work here on the earth. And all of these people, all of these works, people that do these works, have a purpose. right? And verse 13 says, "...till we come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ." That we should no longer, get this, right? That we should no longer be children. So this is speaking of maturing in the Lord, growing in the Lord. This is why I teach the Word of God the way I do, is so that people might grow and mature in the Lord. I read the Word of God myself so that I might mature and grow in the Lord, right? It says, verse 14 again, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the, what? The truth, His word is truth, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to Him who is the head, Christ. So as I stand before you like this and teach the word of God, and I exhort you, to follow Jesus yourself, to read the Bible yourself, and to live out the Word of God. I do so by the leading of the Spirit. I do so by faith. And He intends for you and me, the Holy Spirit that is, intends for you and me to grow and mature in the Lord. You see, I want to point you to Jesus. He is the head of the body. There is one God, one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus. I'm not an in-between, right? He want, the Lord wants, I'm not in between you and the Lord, I should say, okay? The Lord wants you to know sound doctrine. Doctrine that truly is founded upon the Word of God, the Bible. Believe me, you see where we read about this here, this cunningness and this trickery? There are many people, even, even standing in pulpits today, that are preaching false doctrines, preaching stuff that's not in the Bible. And if you don't know the Bible yourself, if you don't become like the Bereans that we read about when we get to, when we get to Acts chapter 17, where you study the Word of God for yourself and you know what it says, you can fall into this trickery. 
You can think that the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about you being healthy, wealthy, and all of that. A lot of this stuff gets preached, right? But it's false doctrine. And there are plenty of men and women teaching many different forms of false doctrines, right? But you shouldn't be tossed to and fro by these doctrines, okay? Many people are coming up with crazy stuff, you know? saying this or that about Jesus or believing this or that about the Word of God, all because they do not have sound doctrine and they're not in the Bible themselves. And you should know for yourself what the Bible says and does not say. Right? No pastor, no religious leader, no guru or any sort of person out there is to stand in communication on your behalf to God. You have a personal relationship with the Lord, or you should have, right? You should be rooted and grounded yourself in Christ Jesus so that you know the truth that sets you free, okay? But I brought you here to the book of Ephesians to point this out to you. Yes, there are people that God calls to certain duties within the body of Christ, and that's what we see taking place as we're studying the book of Acts. So go ahead and flip back now to Acts chapter 8. Right? Philip asked the man if he understood what he was reading. Because Philip had come along to teaching. And in verse 31, the man says, How can I? Unless someone guides me. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in Scripture which he, was, which he was reading or which he read was this. Now, pause right there because I just want to tell you that what this man was reading, you can find in Isaiah chapter 53. I'm not going to take you there this morning, but if you just want to make a mental note or a note that you can go read that, this man was reading from Isaiah chapter 3, okay? Or chapter 53, excuse me. But verse 32 here goes on and tells us what it says. What it says is, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Then verse 34 says, so the eunuch, this Ethiopian man, right, he answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? So this man's trying to figure out, who is Isaiah talking about here? He wanted to understand the scriptures that he was reading. And along comes Philip, whom by the leading of the Lord, of the Spirit of the Lord, was in the right place at the right time. And this man wants to know who this scripture is speaking of. Who's this talking about here? Who is it that was led to the slaughter like a sheep? Who is this lamb that kept silent when they were about to kill him? Who, who was this man who was humiliated and received no justice? Whose life was taken off of the earth? Who is this man? We know this man is Jesus. And verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached 
Jesus to him. So that's who this man was that this Ethiopian man was reading about in Isaiah. And do you know that it was hundreds of years before Christ was on the earth that Isaiah wrote that prophecy about Jesus? That's why Isaiah was called a prophet. Like all the Old Testament books, they all pointed forward to Jesus, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And this man, this African man, was about to come to faith in Jesus. And what would he do? The Lord had a plan in this. This man's headed back home, and he's going to come to Jesus. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to go home, and he's going to tell all of his people about Jesus, and the gospel's going to continue to spread throughout all the world. Right? He was a, this man was an African Jew, and now he came to faith in the Messiah. That many, obviously not all, but many of the Jews rejected Jesus and crucified him. Now remember, his apostles were all Jews. They didn't reject him. Everyone that received the gospel initially here in the book of Acts that we're reading about where it was going to the Jew first. And this Ethiopian man had heard the gospel. So Philip, by the leading of the Spirit, opened up the scriptures to this man. And this man opened up his heart to Jesus. And verse 36 continues and tells us more of the story. It says, now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So Philip may be in every, we don't, we're not told, it's not written down here, everything that Philip said to him. But as Philip preached Jesus to him, he probably preached about baptism to him. But you see, the very first thing that this man wants after finding out about Jesus is he wants to be baptized. He didn't say, hey, Philip, where can I find a good church gathering to go to, right? Though there's great benefit in that, right? He didn't say, hey, are there any Christian concerts that I can go to, Philip? This man was reading the Word of God. This is important to realize. He was reading the Word of God, and then he was taught the Word of God more in depth, and then he wanted to be baptized. He wanted all the rest of his caravan, all the people that were with him, to know that he was a believer in Jesus. And Philip lays it on the line here. This is an important verse of Scripture. Philip lays it on the line to this man in verse 37. He said, if, the man said, can I be baptized, right? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he came to faith in Jesus. Now, of course, we know that as we read the New Testament as a whole, this is the prerequisite to being baptized. One must come to faith in Jesus. They must believe in Jesus with all their heart, meaning that they are willing to totally commit their lives to Him and to follow Him obediently. And in all the conversation, again, that Philip had with this man, he probably exp explained things in depth to him, like I said. 
And as they were riding along in this chariot, they come upon some water. And this man was ready to commit his life to Jesus. Verse 38, so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. So they get out of the chariot. They both go uh, into the water and Philip baptized the man. According to the scripture, one is only baptized after they come to faith in Jesus, which is why those that read the Bible and actually obey what the scripture says do not baptize babies. They do not baptize infants that have not, can't, obviously have not come to faith in Jesus Christ, right? Faith in Jesus is what saves a person. Right. Faith that requires absolute commitment and surrender. And then baptism becomes an expression of your commitment to Jesus. It follows belief and repentance. So if you've not been baptized since coming to faith in Jesus, I encourage you to be like this man and do it quickly so that you, too, can show your commitment to Jesus Christ. Verse 39, now when they came upon or when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azostus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So during this time in church history, some very unusual miracles were happening. Philip the apostle and evangelist was led by the angel of the Lord to Samaria, and when his work was done, he was transported away to another location to spread the gospel there even more. We don't see much of this kind of thing taking place today. Um, when this teaching is over, I'm still going to be standing here. I'm not going to be caught up to Pennsylvania or something like that when this teaching is over. But the Holy Spirit is still working today. And he's still working in the lives of people through the teaching of the Word of God. Okay, And the gospel was spreading throughout the world and doing a powerful work here as we read the book of Acts. And this man, we are told at the end of verse 39 there, that he went on his way rejoicing. You see, this is what takes place in the heart of the person that fully commits their life to Christ. They're not in it to see what they can get out of it. They're not in it to see if they can become prosperous, if they can become rich, if they can get a better job. No, they're committed to being a servant of the Lord, come what may, no matter what. And their hearts rejoice in that. This man had come to find Jesus, and he went about rejoicing after that. And our hearts can rejoice in the fact that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we can rejoice that the Lord is with us to lead and to guide us through this life by the working of his Holy Spirit. This man would most likely take his newfound faith back to his people and tell them 
about this Jesus whom he now serves. So what about you today? Do you have faith in Jesus? Have you committed to him? Have you let the world around you know that you've committed to him? Have you been baptized? Have you, are you sharing your faith with others? Are you reading the word of God so that you may grow in the knowledge of him? That's a key point, folks. Are you feeding upon the word of God? Are you being fed spiritually or are you buying some of this cunningness and this trickery that's going on out there that, that are, that's not rooted and grounded in the word of God at all? Something that some man, some woman is making up, right? But if you're feeding upon the word of God and you're being spiritually uh, nourished, then you will find that your heart will rejoice in the Lord. You will find peace. You will find rest for your soul. Right? There is a rejoicing that awaits the hearts of those that will commit to Jesus. And I hope that you will do so today if you've not already done so. But let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word, which is a living word, which cuts into us, Lord, which feeds us and nourishes us, that we may grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you. And Lord, your plan for our life, our lives, your will for our lives, Lord, is that we would be obedient to your word, not just hearers of your word. We've heard your word today. We've read your word today. But will we now go out and live it? Will we make it the foundation that our lives are built upon, that our lives may be built upon the rock, the words which you speak, Lord? Your word is truth. And I pray that you will work in all of our hearts, Lord. Your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And again, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless, folks. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, whatever the case may be. If you need any help, you can email me directly, dave at aloveoutreach.com. You can go to our website, which is aloveoutreach.com, find more teachings. You can go to YouTube, subscribe to us there. We're on many different podcast formats under the name A Love Outreach. We'd love to hear from you if there's any way we can help you spiritually or pray for you. But again, God bless and thanks for watching.